What's up to my freelancers, designers, and creatives? This is Nathan. Welcome to another episode. And honestly, we have to talk about this. This is an issue that's been going on for some time. Some people talk about it, some people don't, but we are gonna have to talk about racism. Now, for the last couple of weeks, I debated on whether or not I should make an episode dedicated to this topic. I mean, I've been sitting here creating content for about four and a half years now. And, you know, my channel is all about taking creativity and business and how do those two come together? How do you function as a creative? Because a lot of times in school, they teach you a lot of theory and how to create things, but they don't teach you the business side of things. So that's been my focus. So honestly, what role does social issues or politics or pretty much culture have to do with what I'm talking about today? And to be honest, uh, I think I would be amiss if I did not discuss this, because to tell the truth, it does relate to creativity and to business. And there is a negative effect on it. And we're going to dive into that. But I really want to walk you through some things in the past leading up to now, and honestly, what you can do for the future going forward. So yeah, another reason I debated on this as well is because I saw you know a few creators tackling this topic online, and they're met really one of two ways. Either people love it, and they encourage them, and they share the video, or the other side of things where people start to dislike their videos, they lose subscribers, people unfollow them. So it's really you know on two extremes. Either people like it, or they hate it. For the longest time, I've prided myself on the type of content that I produce, that I would do research, that I would honestly talk about from my own personal experience, and that I would share certain things. So I've prided myself on creating overall good content. I really didn't care about my racial background, my ethnicity, anything of that nature, because I figured if I were to teach just good enough information, then overall, it really wouldn't matter. However, with all the recent killings and the loss of life and loss of black lives, specifically at the hands of police brutality and other different ways, I figured, yeah, let's finally get into it and let's actually talk about it. However, for this conversation, because I know there'll be a lot of debate, let's first define what racism is. And I would say racism is the following prejudice, discrimination or antagonism directed against someone of a different race based on the belief that one's own race is superior. So that's racism. But really, there's something else that is birthed out of this, which is called systemic racism. Some people think this is a myth. Some people think this is not real. But I want to show you a picture to give you an example. So this picture that you see here. Um, is a picture that is really more representative of an older picture that was taken in 1950 by Elliot Irwin in North Carolina. And the picture shows on the left-hand side, you have during the time of segregation in America, like I said, this is North Carolina. On the left-hand side, you have a water fountain that's made for so-called white people. And on the right-hand side is a water fountain that is intended for so-called colored people or black people. Right now, to be honest, just looking at the picture, it's pretty obvious. And I would ask to impose a question. Which one would you like to drink out of or which one looks safer, looks cleaner, looks better and more has been invested in? It is pretty obvious. The one on the left hand side that is intended for people who are white is better. 
So what this image is passively stating is that white people deserve better. Now you may say that this was at a different time in America. You know, it was really during the time of segregation. Some people thought that was okay. Yeah. So you can definitely say that. And there's some other people who may be saying, you know, Nathan, this picture is from 1950. It's 2020 now. You know, this was literally 70 years ago. But pretty much what is undeniable is based on a definition, this picture is racist because it shows that people deserve better drinking conditions because of the color of their skin. That's racism. You're showing prejudice or discrimination because you believe, at least in this picture back in the 1950s, that white people are superior and deserve better than people of color. While I may admit a lot has changed in the last 70 years and there has been some progress, but the one thing that most people don't realize and why this is causing such an uproar is people thought we were a lot further because they weren't aware of the aggressive racism or more so the micro aggressive racism that exists that black people a lot are subject to all the time and even have gotten used to, but they've never fully seen it or can always prove it. With the recent things that are going on around the world, now it's pretty obvious, like there's certain things that just can't be hidden and people are shocked to discover this. But, you know, somebody may be listening or watching and saying to themselves, you know, here I go talking about racism in America. I'm pointing back to the 1950s. What does it have to do with today? Well, I thought I'd share a couple of things from my own life to really just give you an example of some of the microaggressive type uh, racism that still exists and that I've even been subject to in my life. So here's the first story. So at the time I'm in college and I'm actually visiting home in Houston and I'm driving back to my university. The university I went to was Baylor University in Waco, Texas. Now I'm driving to Baylor and I'm trying to get there before nighttime because I don't like driving at night because something can go wrong with my car and I would just be stuck. So I'm driving out to Baylor and I set my car on cruise control because they like giving people speeding tickets. So I want to avoid that. So I put my car on cruise control at the speed limit and I'm driving back to Waco, back to Baylor. Sure enough, police officer sees me, uh, pulls me over on the side of the road and comes to the car and says, do you know why I pulled you over? I said, I'm not sure why. He said, well, you know how fast you were going? I said, yeah, I was going the speed limit because I set my car on cruise control. You know, police officer kind of smirked. And then he said, where are you headed to tonight? I said, oh, well, you know, I'm headed to, you know, back to school, back to Baylor University. He goes, you go to Baylor? I was like, yes, I do go to Baylor. Um, he's like, oh, OK, do you, you know, you know, you play any sports there? Like, you know, and I was like, well, I played football, basketball and track in high school, but I don't play sports at Baylor. You know, I play, um, you know, intramurals for fun, but I don't officially play for any team. You know, I'm there on an academic scholarship. Really? You're there on an academic scholarship? Hmm. Okay. All right. Uh, you know, let me see your license registration. Okay. So I gave him my license registration. He walks back to his car. Uh, he probably checked my background. I didn't have anything at the time in terms of like tickets or anything. So he comes back and is like, uh, you said you go to Baylor, right? I'm like, uh, yes, sir. Uh, you know, you got an ID for Baylor? I was like, I do. Now, stop really quick. A police officer doesn't need to see my Baylor ID, but that's besides the point. He walks back, lets me off with a warning. I get to leave. Now, that story was not that big of a deal. However, there's a couple things to highlight. I said I went to Baylor University and based on the look on his face, he really didn't believe it. He kind of chuckled. And then he asked, 
you know, you play any sports because the assumption in the background is if you are a black person who goes to a prestigious school like Baylor University, you must play sports. And I said, no, you know, I play for fun, but I have an academic scholarship. And he's like, huh, really? You know, takes my ID, walks off. Then he comes back and asks me for my ID. Now I have to prove that I go to Baylor. My word is not enough. So I have to prove it by showing the ID. I give him an ID. In a sense, he has to believe it because it's true. And he's like, oh, moves off. So nothing happened and didn't escalate, but that was an example. Somebody else might have just said, you know, I go to Baylor, I go to Texas A&M, and it would have just been believed. But because I was a person of color, you know, he kind of laughed at it a little bit until I was able to prove it. Second story. So now I finally graduated from college and uh, one of my first jobs after university was going to a web hosting company. So I worked for a web hosting company because at that time I was learning how to do web design and I had a technology background. So server management and all that really just kind of fell into place. So I started working at a web hosting company. A lady called and she was kind of upset because she was frustrated and different people in the company did not want to talk to her. So they were like, Nathan, you're pretty good at diffusing situations. Do you mind speaking with her? I said, sure. She's like, oh my goodness, I'm having such a hard time, you know, with my website. I just need help. No one is able to help me. I came for a previous company. They didn't know what they were doing. I really need help. So we sat on the phone and I walked her through whatever she needed. Oh, thank you very much. You were just such a big help. You know, the last company that I, you know, signed up with and gave money to, you know, they really were incompetent. They really just couldn't do a good job. You, you know, they were black. You know how that is. And I was just like, oh my gosh, I'm just so happy to be at a place where I can get the help I need. And this is why what she said, in a sense, was racist. The woman assumed that the fact her previous company that she went to was majority people of color, black people, she assumed that that affected their level to help her. Um, you know, we're on the phone call and I was like, oh, well, maybe they just couldn't help you. You know, maybe it's not because they're black. Well, what else could it be? Now it's pretty obvious. Uh, well, what about you? Are, 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 are you black? Uh, as long, for as long as I can remember, yeah, I, I am black. Oh, oh, uh, well, thank you very much for your help. Bye. So the woman got the help that she needed and I actually proved her theory wrong. But what she said was racist because she tied a certain level of technology competence to skin color. Third and last story. So, you know, at this time I left that web hosting company and I'm pretty much doing my own thing and I'm renting a house, right? I'm renting a house. I think it's in a decent neighborhood. I mean, Houston is really the most uh, cultural city because it has multiple ethnicities, you know, the best cultural mix of different cultures in the United States. So Houston is pretty well mixed. But regardless, I'm living in this neighborhood. It is a gated community and I'm outside with my friend and we are checking something on the back of my car, my car that I've owned and paid for. A lady pulls up. She says, do you all live here? Uh, excuse me? Do you all live in this house? Hi, my name is Nathan. Um, I live here. Yes, I do. I've been living here in this neighborhood for about three years. Who are you? Oh, I was just checking. You know, I haven't seen, you know, you around here. And, you know, there's been some break-ins lately. So, you know, I, I, I was just asking. Oh, I haven't seen you around here either in the three years I've been here. Where do you live? Well, just be on the lookout because there's some break-ins. I'm just trying to, you know, if you see something, say something. And then the lady drove off. So pretty much what happened there was the woman assumed and, and it might have been a fact that there were some break-ins that might have been true. But what the woman assumed was there have been break-ins. So I see 
a black person or black people outside next to vehicles. This is in the middle of the day, by the way. You know, I see some black people outside next to vehicles. They may be, you know, the, the ones who have robbed us. The reason why that attitude is racist is because anybody could have stolen from us. Unless you had some camera footage that showed, you know, black people were the ones that actually, you know, have been breaking in around the neighborhood. You know, nevertheless, if you had that, understandable, but you didn't. So the only assumption you had was, I see black people, they must be the thieves. There were other people who were outside. She didn't ask any of them. She didn't ask the Asian people outside. She didn't ask the other white people that were outside. She didn't even ask, you know, we had some Indians who lived in the neighborhood. She didn't ask any of the people from India about that. No, she came to the black people outside. And the reason her attitude was racist is because she based it on the color of my skin, nothing else. I tell that last story because that is something similar to what happened to Ahmad Arbery. Now there's more details about that coming out and we're gonna see in the court case, but regardless, supposedly there have been some break-ins. They see a person of color, probably him. I say all that just to say, those are some examples from my life. Those are some of the things that I've been through. And to be honest, those stories are on the light scale. I have more extreme stories. I have stories where police you know, ran up to my car, told me to get out, do I have any weapons based on the fact that of my skin color. I have more extreme and more sad stories, you know, but if I really were to list them, especially since the time I was younger, it's really too many. But I say all that just to say, if you think that race doesn't play a role in how other people are treated, at least in America, I think you're sadly mistaken because it still exists. No, we can't control everybody's attitudes and control how everyone acts. However, what people don't realize, and this is the whole point of why I wanted to make this video, what people really don't realize is that all this type of thinking and mentality adds up in the way that laws are created, in the way that people do business, uh, in the way in which grants are passed or schools get funded and the list goes on. All this gets added together and people don't realize, and these people are in positions making decisions on how we all should live. So that being said, I really think there are about three states in which people kind of exist when it comes to this issue. Either you are someone who is living in blissful ignorance. Maybe you just discovered this, you didn't know any of this was going on, and you just learned. So you have been living your life, but now it's to the point to where, wow, I didn't know. Like I was just ignoring it and I was ignorant that this was happening and I was just living my life. So now, you know, it's, you're aware of it and some people are still in denial about it, but you should be aware of it. The second thing is what I call passive segregation. You are aware that racism does exist. However, you're not actively really doing anything to stop it or prevent it or slow it down. You're just kind of like, uh, you know, well, what can I really do? Right. And no, I wouldn't say you're as far as a segregationist or someone who is championing for people of different racial backgrounds to be separate but equal. Uh, I'm not saying that you're that, but, you know, you're, you're just being passive and that's it. And then last is, you know, people who are working for change. You're aware of what's going on. You see what's going on and you want to make a difference. You want to change. You want to help. You want to do whatever you can. So you may fall into one of those categories. Um, I'm hoping it's the third category, the last category. And if you are someone who wants to work for change, I do want to speak on some things that I see in the creative landscape. So I, I will admit that 
you know, being a person of color is something I try not to think about when it comes to uh, business and creativity. But I will admit the conferences I go to a lot of times I don't see people that look like me. Whenever I see people selling products online, I don't see a lot of people who look like me. When I see testimonies of people who say I tried this product and it worked, I don't see people that look like me. What that is passively doing is sending the message that people who look like you can't do fill in the blank. So this is the real issue that I wanted to get to. If you really want to make a change, I think it's great. Go ahead and donate, support different people, protest, march, um, share different people from, you know, black organizations or black creatives you want to highlight. I think all that is fine. And I think all that is good. And I would even thank you for doing that. However, I'll go to say this, if you really want to see lasting change in this area, you are going to have to intentionally make it a point that black voices, black lives and black creatives are highlighted on whatever platform you have. I'm not trying to say do something to where you're pandering to whatever is trendy right now. I'm not saying that because I see some of that too. What I'm truly saying is you are going to have to intentionally plan to have black people as a part of your platform. Because the reason I'm saying you're going to have to intentionally plan is because right now you don't automatically do that. You know, you may be thinking, oh, I don't see color. I just want to highlight and bring on my platform whoever I find interesting. That's true. And you have that right. However, once again, you have to think you don't automatically do it. Therefore, you have to intentionally plan it. What do I mean? There are some people I know, they have 600 podcast episodes. And in 600 podcast episodes, they have featured no people of color. There are other people I know, they have conferences and they have um, courses and classes and podcasts, and they barely ever feature women. In that example, I would say, you don't really feature women. So you literally are going to have to intentionally plan. I will devote 30% of my guests to be women. And in the same way, you're going to have to intentionally plan and say, Every time I do a conference, I will have people of color speaking. Every time I do a conference, I will have women speaking. So again, I see use women as an example, but I want to focus on black lives because that's what we're talking about. So that means you're going to have to intentionally plan and say, whenever I'm putting something together, I have to make sure someone of color is there. And like I said, at first, you might feel weird doing this. You might feel fake doing this. You might feel fraud. That's true. But as time passes, you'll just naturally do it because you'll start to see that as you include, you know, black voices as a part of your platform, you'll start to draw on a different audience. You'll also start to see that black people really have something of value to contribute. And what I just said really is the main point of all this. The whole reason why there is still a lot of racist attitudes and what I call passive segregation. The reason why all this is going on is because at its core, you don't think or you're not aware of any contributions that black people have made to your life to make your life better. Now, some of this is not necessarily your own fault, because to be honest, when you go to school, they don't really highlight black inventors. They don't really highlight people of color to contribute anything. You know, you just learn whatever it is you learn and you don't really have an appreciation that black people made your life better, but they really did. So to that end, 
I would even say, go and look at some of the black inventors who created certain things. You'll find a lot of the everyday things that we use were possible because somebody black made them. And I know it's not about who's black, who's white, who created what. I agree. But the simple fact is, if you're not aware of that, you really will start to think that someone black doesn't have anything to contribute. So all in all, what am I saying and why did I share all this? And this might be one of my longest episodes that I've done, but the reason I'm saying all this is this is truly what's the core of the conversation. There's a lot of people talking on the news. There's a lot of political heads talking. A lot of people trying to spin the story different ways and making it seem like it's a race war. It's back and forth. You must choose a side. I'm not talking about any of those things. The main point of this video that I made, if you didn't hear or see anything else is, again, I described what racism is. I shared my own personal experiences. But the core of what I want to get across is simply this, at least as it relates to being a black creative. To be honest, I don't necessarily see people appreciating the black voice. And like I said, it's not about black and white and whatever else. However, what people don't realize is I've been a part of communities, online communities that I got help in. And people left and I asked them, hey, why did you leave this online community? And they literally said, I felt like they didn't care about me as a black person. And I'm like, why? Why would you say that? They're not racist. But the fact that no one who looked like them was ever highlighted or they weren't even directly engaged made them feel like this is not really for me or they don't appreciate people like me. And that's what's at the core. What's at the core is if we keep on pushing this idea that black people have not and cannot contribute anything of value to society other than play sports, then it helps feed the mentality of racist attitudes or at least passive segregation. This idea that, hey, black people do this kind of stuff. Other people do this type of stuff. That's not true. So if we're going to tear down those walls, yes, educate yourself. That's a good start. Educate yourself. Read different books. Uh, probably one book that I'd recommend is called White Picket Fences that talks a little bit about white privilege. Um, that's one book that I'd recommend. Check that out. But besides that, educate yourself. There's tons of articles you can read, stories you can read. The list goes on, right? However, I would say this, start with educating yourself. Second is you are going to have to form a plan to say, how am I going to, in a sense, include people of color more often on the things that I do, collaborate, create, and produce? You're going to have to do that because if you don't plan it, you won't do it. And if you're not intentional with following up with your plans, you won't do it. Really quick, because I kind of feel like someone's going to say this. Somebody might be thinking, there are black creators out there. I listen to them all the time. Yeah, that's the other half of a problem that could probably do a whole nother episode on. I see the same black creatives everywhere, which means you people find a few of them and then they elevate them up and put them everywhere. When there's thousands of people who have something of value to offer, you have to kind of fight against that too. This idea that there's only certain people of color who can provide value and everybody else, eh, no, there's thousands of people out there. 
uh, what I've been seeing on Twitter and other places, just ask and they can give you a list of places to go. So one link I'll put in the comment is a website that I'm a part of. It's called Blacks Who Design. So if you're really looking for any creatives of color who are doing things that are cool, awesome, amazing, doing things with their craft, um, Blacks Who Design is a great place. I'll put that link in the description below and you can check it out. I'm open to conversation. I'm open to dialogue, not open to trolls. But if you're open to talk, leave a comment. I'd love to hear from you. And I want to get back on creating content that is specifically why this channel was created. But I did have to take a moment to talk about this. Well, until the next one, I will catch you later. See you.